0: Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans, by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley,
1: and I am joined by Austin Evans. Hi, Austin. Hello, hello. And it's almost like we have a special guest today, the one and only Sarah Dietschy. How's it going, Sarah?
2: It's going good. Oh, my gosh. It's an honor. And I'm I'm glad that this podcast is, you know, for new F1 fans. Yep. So, so I, I do out. kind of feel like I have a little bit of imposter syndrome since no. I'm new. But, but hey, that's about. the point, right?
0: Look, the, the, all three of us were just in various stages of drive to survive. So Austin, Austin told me I'd watch the first season, told me to watch it. I watched the second season, and I tell everyone to watch it. And Sarah, you just—this is your first season, right?
2: Uh, correct. Watching, you know, the the races live, but I went through all of the seasons of Drive to Survive in probably a month. And wow. it was in between yeah, it was in between collabing with Austin Evans in California and him basically talking about it a ton. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I've heard this from so many people. Maybe I should just try it. And then I went for it and I I got so addicted. And it's so, so funny coming into it with the the Already existing fans are so passionate and they're a little bit territorial. So it's been fun kind of, you know, tweeting and people being excited, but also people being like, if you just watch Drive to Survive, you don't understand, you know.
0: (laughs) So this is kind of why we made this show. So as I was getting more and more involved, all of the podcasts that I was listening to, they were like, Oh, but what about the 1999 result? And it's like I have no (laughs) idea what you're talking about, right? Like, (laughs) and I was just finding like there was too much like necessary knowledge to be able to follow, and that's not what we're about, right? Like, we want to be basically here for the fans of what drives to survive, and then want a podcast to listen to. Where we kind of just break it down as simple as like we're not bringing a bunch of knowledge to it. We try not to be too like particular about other things. So, how many races have you watched?
2: So this is my third. Ooh. So, okay. yeah, so Miami, uh, Spanish Grand Prix, and, and now Monaco. So so it's been it's been fun. And every time, since I'm a big Twitterer, again, I'm getting everyone's, like, thoughts before the race and what I've discovered. And what makes F1 so fun is, like, no one's ever right.
3: Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, my you God. Because a- everyone,
2: yeah. <laughs> everyone on the last weekend, they're like, oh, the Spanish Grand Prix is always so boring. And that was the, it was my second race, but the first time that I watched everything, like qualifying and the race, and I was really into it. And I was like, this race is so fun. Like it was Mm -hmm. so exciting. There were so many things happening. So I think that's what I'm learning right off the bat is like, no matter what hot takes you have, it's like, it it will go wrong in some way. And that's why I think it's exciting.
0: I've been driving Austin crazy with this, I think, over the last weeks. I believe there is no such thing as a boring race. Oh. Like, I just I don't think it exists, because I always enjoy it, no matter what happens. I will say, now we I were I mean, today, saying, though. I know. We were saying last week, <laughs> oh, it's probably going to be pretty quiet. You know, it's Monaco. It was madness. And we'll get into it in a little bit, but we, I still want to kind of touch on a few things with you first. Do you have any favorites? Are there any teams, drivers you're rooting for?
2: Yes. So I've been called basic for this. Uh oh. Because I'm going to let y'all guess who my favorite driver is.
0: Uh, okay. If this is mean, I a drive Twitter, to I think survive. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I probably would have guessed Daniel Ricciardo, but this nope. is a very normal yeah. drive to survive like
2: graduation. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So I recognize that, but that doesn't stop me from not only liking him, but also the McLaren team. Like, I feel like Lando is so sick. I feel Love like he's Lando. kind of the. And again, I don't want to fall into what Drives Sur- to Survive wants me to think about Max because I think they want you to think that he's like, like, not the bad guy, but he's just edgy. I've watched the YouTube videos. He seems very nice. But I think Lando is almost just like a more fun version of Max. Um, yes, but right, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so just the whole McLaren team I'm a big fan of. And it's like orange, it's peachy, you know, so there's a lot of different things.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just It's got to be on brand, the most important thing.
2: Exactly, <laughs> on brand. Daniel Ricardo Lando, sign me up. I'm and the Zach Brown can... guy seems cool.
0: Oh, Zach seems great. Zach is cool. Austin, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and trick Austin. Austin, do you have a favorite driver
1: yet? I mean, my boy Checo, of course. Oh, you do now. Your best unofficially. Friend. Uh, no, no, no. Again, I'm not a biased individual who would try to. Shove my love of a particular team down everyone's podcast feed every week. I would never do something like that. But if I were to be rooting for anyone, it might be that person who won today's race.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm glad he did. I felt bad for him last race.
1: He got screwed last week. It
2: was, yeah.
0: And like, I loved the end of last week's Grand Prix where he's like, we're going to have a chat.
2: He was was (laughs) was was so chill. We're
0: talking later on. (laughs) I'm happy for Max, but we're having a conversation. (laughs) He was not a happy boy. All right, we need to break down some of what happened here in Monaco today, but we've got to start with the recap of the race. Austin, what happened?
1: So P1 is none other than our good friend, friend of the show, asterisk, potentially, maybe, I don't think he knows we exist. Your buddy, your buddy. My best friend, Sergio Perez. P2 was Carlos Sainz. P3 was Max. That was the podium. And then our... Very sad. Not friend of the show. Uh Charles Leclerc P four. Which we'll I feel often. so
2: bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, Horrible.
1: Set was... just so super sad. This was
0: this should have been Charles Week, right? Like it had to have been and snatched from him again. So yeah. Sarah, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned it a million times, but he last finished. year he qualified first and but but crashed during qualifying and they couldn't start his car and he had
1: to bail out of the whole race i mean that
2: wasn't drive to survive right
1: oh of course it was yeah yeah i I remember
2: i remember that storyline
1: yeah. yeah, I think they showed it in two different episodes in Drive to Survive yeah. last season because it was such a big deal. But anyway, Everyone knows uh, we had two Monaco Grand Prix's that year.
2: Same thing happened to
1: us. <laughs> like, he is super cursed. Uh, going down the rest of the order, we've got uh, George Russell P5, Lando coming in P6, uh, uh, the uh, Spanish wall himself, Fernando Alonso <laughs> in P7. And then we've got Lewis Hamilton P8, Bottas P9, and Seb coming in and surprise P10. I don't know. That one kind of snuck up on me. I actually didn't even realize until mm-hmm. after the race. Was like, oh, he ended up picking up a point. Although, I think that's because uh, of Alcon's penalty, which kind of pushed him down the order, right? Yeah, he, he shows yeah. P12 here on, mm-hmm. the, on the final standings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was... It was a race. It was a race. Um Sarah, I feel like we got to we got to ask you first cuz I have a lot of very strong opinions on this track and this event in general, but as someone who's only watched a handful of races. Mm-hmm. Uh and that, this is probably the first one time you've seen like, you know, the the delays on with rain and stuff. But what did you think about this? And uh please 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 illuminate me because I have some like I said very strong opinions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I think all of my answers will start with Twitter and then me kind of coming to mm-hmm. my own insights, because before, uh, really, all I knew of Monaco is just, you know, it's important because it's the flashy, you know, it has a lot of history and just a ton of rich people go there. And it's kind of like the spot. It's a very important race. But it wasn't until this race that I started noticing, you know, the YouTube comments or Twitter. uh and it's interesting, I guess, the the host, you know, Sky News and stuff kind of egg on these debates of should we even have a Monaco race anymore since you know, apparently it's a debate for next year and the, and the coming races. So I I found it interesting that a lot of people are like, Oh, get rid of the Monaco race. It's amazing how quickly these conversations just like, like, I I was like, wait, get rid of the Monaco race. I'm like, how would you do that? Doesn't, isn't there like so much history? Doesn't everyone love Monaco race, but the fact that, Oh, my kitty is coming in. He has some thoughts, but the fact that people, um, flip on they seem like they flip so quickly you know like monaco is such an important race oh no we need to get rid of the monaco race because people can't overtake so um i guess i can understand that because the last race was so much more exciting i feel like with just the passing and stuff Mm. happening but um i think with you know there being rain it made it a little bit more exciting although the final 20 30 minutes i was kind of just like Ah, uh, get yep. kind of tired. <laughs> oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, like the reason people say like they don't want Monaco anymore is for the fact that there's no, there's basically no chance for overtaking. So yeah. they call Which it- Which I understand. Lo- yeah, they call it a lot of time like the procession. Because by and large, like the qualifying order tends to be the finishing order to some degree, unless yeah. something bananas happens. And yeah. I mean, what happened today was just like it feels pretty unprecedented. It yeah. was just. But as you wild. can tell,
2: that's when strategy comes into play because yep. the Ferrari people getting Charles. I always want to call him Charles, but everyone's like Charles. So, yeah, Charles, is it Charles. Charles? Charles. It's
0: actually really like Charles. It's yeah. like S H A R L. Charles. Charles.
2: Charles. Yeah. Yeah. So you know pulling him in for a pit stop obviously changed things. So mm-hmm. I think it's like well I guess even if there's not overtaking other strategy does come into play, right? So mm-hmm. I mean you could make that argument for keeping it in the in the races. Yeah. I don't
0: want Monaco to go away because I love I just love watching the cars drive around that track. I, I just think it looks yeah. beautiful
1: and I appreciate the history of it. I know yeah. Austin has. Seems like Austin I'm, has, something I'm like, Austin to has say. A spicy tech. <laughs> I'm itching here. Okay, look, I love Monaco. I love. I want. You clearly to, don't, though, like, right? You
0: clearly don't. No, 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 if no, you have no, no. to say that, you clearly don't. Because
1: I love Monaco, but <laughs> means you don't love it. My my retirement plan is I'm going to live in Monaco and it's going to be great. Wow. That's it. Like, that's that's the move, right? The place oh, is cool. We big plans over there. Uh, I like to be ambitious. <laughs> Ask me in uh-huh. 30 years how it's going, but hmm. these cars are too big for that track. Now, before I think it was actually earlier this weekend, they had some of the original like 50s yeah. uh, uh, cars out on track, and seeing those cars slipping and sliding around was amazing, right? I mean, you see hmm. the even like the older school stuff. You know, like there's that incredibly famous sort of Senna onboard of him just ripping the car around and just like 90 or 91 or whatever. When the cars were smaller, it was still very difficult, but at least there could be some racing. The fact that we saw one of the most insane, stupid, crazy, rain-delayed, like, just chaos-filled races, and even then, it was, like, only interesting because of all the craziness. Look, I love Monaco. If these cars, the next generation of cars shrinks down, like, all of what we've been saying this season so far about how much better these cars are for passing Mm. and for making the racing good— that doesn't apply at Monaco. It is straight impossible. We saw five, six, seven different kinds of examples of how it was next to impossible for him to do anything. The fact that we saw Pierre make a couple of passes on track, like that was crazy. And that was only because he's like yep. four or five seconds a lap faster than someone else. right? Like This is not a race. This is a qualifying and a roll the dice and hope that something happens. I love the history. I respect that history. But man, if it falls off the calendar next year, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Maybe it might make my future apartment a little cheaper actually. So you know what? I'm gonna vote for that. <laughs> yeah. actually, uh, So you would right now still wanna the live campaign. there
2: without F one coming through? I think it's
1: just a really cool spot. i grew up seeing yeah. it in so many movies and all this kind all of stuff. All the drivers and- lived there too,
0: Sarah. I don't know if you've caught onto this. They, yeah. all, they all move there eventually uh, maybe because yeah. uh, would,
1: there's no tax in monaco <clears throat> yeah exactly this is why. <laughs>
2: yeah my my impression of monaco is through yun olson's vlogs do you guys know who he is no I, I don't know he's like a former professional skier but he's like a big youtube vlogger so he lived in monaco for like 15 years or something and he was always going to these f1 races and as i would watch his vlogs i'm like what why is this such a big deal what's going on so it's interesting to now have all these like you know, previous things that have referenced F1 and Monaco to all be like, oh, now I understand why it's such a big deal. But he lived there and it looked fabulous. Yeah,
0: no taxes.
2: Nice. Yeah. Big casinos. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to This go was check always a
0: thing when I was growing up because, like, with the, with the Grand Prix and stuff, it was always like, oh, there's no taxes, but a Coke costs, like, $4. Right? It's just like, <laughs> okay. Like, so it was like a thing that was I was told as a kid. It's like, uh, okay, great. Uh, so, rain. There was lots of rain, and the start was really chaotic. Like it seemed like there, and again, it was going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards from commentary online, that kind of stuff. It seemed like race control were really just kind of. Making it up as they were going along, yeah. it felt about it today. The
2: announcers were hilarious. <laughs> they were <laughs> like, so mad. Mine Bundle
0: was so upset today. Yes, he was so yes. mad. He
2: was like, let him race, <laughs> let him race. <laughs> That's what
0: it's about. Uh. It's in the Junior League, that was my favorite one. <laughs> I was like, oh, jeez, <laughs> he's so upset.
1: Well, I, you know, this thing is like, so uh, us Americans wake up very early for, the, especially if you're on the West Coast, uh, but regardless, you know, uh, these races are really early. Every time there's like a big rain delay like this, obviously, you know, the safety is important. But when you see all the people in the stands getting soaked and you see the millions of people around the world literally wasting hours of their life waiting, I do think that the new race control seems like they're maybe a little too cautious. Mind you, once they actually like, tried to do that sort of initial procession lap to kind of see how it went, the rain was totally crazy at that point. But I think there was very clearly a window for the teams to go out and try to at yeah. least get a couple of laps in. Mind you, I don't think it would have necessarily made a huge, huge difference, but I saw a screenshot on Twitter. Someone was looking at, like, the tire mix. If people would have gone out at the moment the race was supposed to begin, it would have been absolutely ridiculous. I think it would have been really entertaining, but I, the whole, like, ah, ah, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to calm down for a second. I'm going to calm down just like all the drivers had to calm down when they got delayed. But I think a lot of the decisions have been a little bit... Overly safe, a little bit questionable, especially considering that these are literally 20 of the greatest drivers on the planet and cars like it's they know what they're doing. And if they crash, they crash. Like That's kind of part of why everyone watches, especially a race like this, because what else are you waiting for?
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, it kind of seemed like,
0: you know, from I was kind of following along what Martin Brundle was saying, really, of like, if they would have gone out in when they were supposed to go out. There would have been a 15-minute window, then they would have come in. They maybe yeah. would have red flagged the race. But at that point, at least they got a full start. Uh, for me, what was frustrating today is we never actually saw a start. Like uh, that I find that annoying. Uh, like I, I like to see, I like to see a full standing start. It is a massive point of the race, right? Like it, it starts to set all the the beginning of the race. Really, it made qualifying way too important for this race and then but ultimately it didn't end up helping out Charles anyway but i think it was a it was a shame that we didn't get to see that today it uh, wasn't yeah weird. it seemed like it, it was just odd. like
1: the race just oozed into start like it's just like oh and uh, yes oh. We're, we're racing yeah yeah oh okay yeah the races we got it was such a weird start and honestly even at the end right it's so rare to have a race end on time not time on i've never laps. seen that i've never it's seen that really rare and it's like mm-hmm. oh and this, uh, uh one more lap. oh okay we'll do one more lap like it i could i could say something i'm not gonna say something about another sport that maybe has a nebulous sort of idea about how, when the game should end but uh just the whole weekend and the whole race today mm. was so strange Very was early. there actually you know before we go super deep in the race should we talk a little bit about qualifying because that ultimately yeah. was super interesting and i think a little ironic because when it comes to qualifying Charles obviously did a great job you know pulled P1 had pole and he was pulling a crazy lap right like not only did he get that first lap in which was clearly above everyone else but on the next lap that he almost finished before the red flag he was another like two or three tenths up like he was ridiculously ridiculously fast but The person who crashed, which was Checo, and then ultimately Carlos kind of ran into him, was the one who was the winner of the race. It's just kind of a little ironic uh, that, you know, he kind of screwed up and was rewarded for it. Whereas, you know, someone like Charles consistently does a great job, but gets sort of penalized and knocked Mm. out and gets unlucky. Just, I thought, like a little bit of irony that I'm sure he's completely forgotten about that. Now he's drinking his champagne and hanging out on a podium. But, yeah, that that was a little... Unfair, I suppose. Racing is unfair. No. But I was, I, was, I was definitely struck by that. There's just- a lot
2: of luck in this sport. That's what I struggled with <laughs> early on. I was like, wait, this is so dependent not only on the team, the car, but also how much money you have, mm-hmm. how much money your dad has. Was your dad a race car driver? You know, there's like <laughs> there's so many. But I've just accepted that because I'm like, okay, I guess it, if everyone's loaded, if everyone has a race driver in their family, I guess that does they're all on an even playing field. It's yep. just like elevated, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no, I agree with you. Like th- there is an element of leveling out, right? Mm-hmm. Because even I agree there is an element of luck, but the, throughout the season, the luck hits different people at different times, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's so unlucky for such and such today because their engine failed. <laughs> But then in two weeks' time, their main opponent's engine is going to fail and they're going to get it back. Like, there is an element of, like, I, I have equated it before to fortune. It's more fortune than luck, right? Like, the, even if something happens, you have to be in the right place at the right time reacting in just the right way okay. to take advantage of it, right? So it's like And there's you can, so
2: many things that could go wrong and go yeah. right. It kind of evens yeah. out, yeah.
0: Like, you know, we're obviously going to talk about this a bit more, but, like, to make that point of, like, you know, Charles was having a great race, but then Ferrari messed up. They messed up calling him into the pits, tried to abort it at the wrong time. Yeah. That helmet cam, by the way. Did you see the helmet cam which tied up and he's like shaking his hands and going into the pits? Like they were not paying attention to Red Bull yeah. enough mm-hmm. to see the times that they were doing and it completely destroyed his race. They, they It was questionable. It's always questionable to double stack. So double stacking yeah. when you pit one and then pit one straight after because that second guy's waiting and it also errors. There's a lot of... There's been times in the past, right, where they have the wrong tires. Yeah. And that was the thing for for George when he filled in for Lewis during the COVID time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you're always, you're introducing so much risk at that point from strategy and time and they messed up. And that was just such a ridiculous call, right? To say, like, get in the pits. Oh, no, wait, we changed our mind. It's like, ah! this isn't, this is like, yeah. this is like amateur, right? Mm-hmm. Is how that sounds at that point. And oh, man, I just, I feel for him so much. Because, you know, and it was kind of funny you saying about that lap because yeah. I was, he was doing 111, I think, was his lap in qualifying. I was, I made a note of it. The first laps today, when they're outside of the safety car, they were doing it in 1 minute 43 seconds, I think. So it was a 30-second difference because of the rain. I just thought that huh. was kind of funny. Like
1: that's the kind of time i do if I was driving an F1 car in Monaco. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> I, I could do
2: 143 in the drive. I think so. Four maybe, and a half hours. Maybe, uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe like Tom Cruise doing that lap.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, no, but hey, can we just give a shout-out to Charles? At the least he finally no. finished a Monaco Grand Prix. Like, <laughs> it's been, what, he's, because uh, he's never finished <laughs> one, and it's his home race. I mean, P4 is better than uh, your car in the garage in three pieces. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, n- maybe Charles next year.
2: Shout-out to
1: Mm. Oh, oh yo <laughs> Oh, man.
2: I was
0: really worried about Mick Schumacher. I uh, yeah. It scared me a lot. Like, when well, they especially went when to they that... didn't
2: show it immediately. Yes. Well, because then like...
0: don't know what he what situation he's in, mm-hmm. right? So they don't They learned that uh, the hard way with Roman Grosjean, which is what this reminded me of. Like when they went to that that scene and there was just half of a house. Oh, my God. I was worried.
2: That point of Drive to Survive was like, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever watched in my life. When he like the epic music and he just like rose from the flames. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I yeah, it, was that. Drama. Oh, live.
0: it was so yeah. it was so upsetting live yeah 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 uh,
2: <laughs> live oh, you
3: see in
1: the background he slides a huge fireball they cut away and then no and like everyone's just like trying to talk about other things for like 10 minutes yeah. until they finally can show the footage in Directions five you get like this beautiful like 35 minute montage of him like sliding into the wall and another camera um, angle another camera yeah. angle well, yeah so actually and i would double check this but i'm pretty sure it's uh, correct i think this is the second time mick has yep. not only crashed his car but split it in half this year oh my this gosh. Season. Uh, the
0: Saudi Arabian qualifying. Yeah. So the yeah. first qualifying of the year. He span out very similar to how he span out today, where the car just seemed to jerk to the right. He span around, hit the car, car split in half. What's I don't know what it cars? is about these buses. I This <laughs> seems very rare to me. I mean, my understanding, Austin, you correct me if I'm wrong, is they are designed to yes. break away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Specifically in, after that Grosjean tra- crash all the teams, they basically had to put some extra time and thought into for certain impacts to make sure that the cars separate in a good way. Because every crash is all about just sort of, like, help to protect the driver from experiencing crazy, crazy G-forces in one way or another. So that's why sometimes you see crashes that, you know, the car – like, I remember uh, Lando last year at Spa. He spun. It looked crazy, but he was spinning around. But ultimately, the impact wasn't really heavy. So a lot of times that's why, like, the barriers are so, like – plushy for lack of a better term and the cars are designed to kind of crumple and break away and and whatnot but maybe has mm-hmm. have gotten a little excited but to be fair Nick yeah. walked away from both i believe so it's doing its job right. uh just yeah. it looks that definitely very absorbed scary. the
0: impact right but yeah i can't i cannot believe it. It, that looks so gross right like that was kind of the only word i could have to describe it i can't believe he was just fine like he just got up and walked out like yeah uh, it was a, a horrible looking crash for me after
2: today. you you knew he was okay i was kind of laughing though with the guys pulling pulling the back two tires off it looks like a wheelbarrow they were just like <laughs> yeah. scooting with like an entire back half of a car I'm like this is so funny
0: <laughs> i was expecting more crashes today though Honestly, Same. Like, yeah. Like, especially after in the first formation lap, <laughs> yeah! two cars went into the battle. I was like, "This is gonna be a disaster." <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that that was ended. All, really, all that ended up, and uh, the other DNFs. Alex Albon was out with some mechanical failure. I don't know what happened to Magnussen. I don't know I when he went out. They didn't show I had it. I have no idea <laughs> because when that when they went to. Magnuson I think they said something about Mick water crashed.
2: pressure or something.
0: Okay. Because I was like, hang on a minute. Like, because we see the huss didn't know who it was and they shot to Kevin Magnuson. I was like, yeah,
2: I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like what's, what's happening?
3: Happening? <laughs> just
0: kind of running out, jump we out, of the car. It
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's also funny because it was uh, kind of unfortunate, but when they go to him, Magnuson's like, ah, he's like really upset. And it's like, Mick is like in pieces over here, man. <laughs> Give him
1: a break. Oh, uh, man, it's, it's wild. But so I guess uh, there's a lot to go through and like, I always feel like, maybe it's me who woke up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm slightly sleepy right now. But so we had the initial aborted start where they did the, the formation laps. Then yep. it was another what? 45 minutes or so before the race mm-hmm. actually got underway. Um, It was interesting to see because especially when you go to the very, very beginning, no one was really expecting rain today, or maybe just a little sprinkle or something. We had a lot. It was it was really rare for me to see just how insane the pit wall got. You know, the stories about like the team principal of Williams like helping to like push tires up and down. Monaco's such a tight pit lane. Just watching that whole experience was really, really crazy. And the fact that We did all that. And, I mean, man, you got to imagine that those sort of mechanics and stuff are just going to pass out tonight. Like, what a ridiculous, ridiculous day. You just, the Ferrari guys being all stressed about, like, the double stack and everything like that. Like, you know, everyone they deserve be- the
2: stress, though. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let them stress out about that. They're Ferrari.
1: That's true. That they that, that need to be stressed out about. There's going to
2: be a lot of meetings
0: about that one this evening, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That was a big, big mess up there. But yeah, like, as well, because when they red flagged, right, similarly, now they're all over the place. They're not sitting outside of their uh, garages anymore. So there were people running backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards with new tires and stuff like that. Um, The the red flag was obviously helpful to Lewis. Lewis had some damage from Mm -hmm. Esteban Ocon, but that didn't really help him because it was basically, I don't know if, like, Lewis Hamilton said something bad about Alpine over the weekend or what, but they did not like him this weekend, right? Ocon smashing into him and then Alonso will not let him by. Yeah. I got to say, I mean, oh, Alonso annoyed me today. Alonso, no, because it wasn't just Lewis, right? He bunched up that whole pack. There could have been more going on there. And I think that leaving like a 30, 40 second gap, to to Norris was I don't, that
1: wasn't fun racing. For Mike, me. Mike, I think you're missing the point of it's racing. The whole point is to beat everyone else. You don't have to like <laughs> as long as you're not getting penalized. You can do whatever you want. Alonso could have well, been just like this the whole time, and he actually. He I would have
0: preferred to see that than him driving <laughs> slow. No, seriously, like I would I wanted to see more battle between them, right? And it's yeah. just I don't know. It took it took it out
1: for me a little bit. Well. Again, uh, just back to my uh, initial point of uh, Monaco is a bad track. It shouldn't be on the calendar anymore. Yeah, case sure. of point. <laughs> you're right. You're right.
2: You're right. Well, it, for, like from a newcomer who's, you know, binged all of the drive to survive. And obviously, you know, Mercedes was on top for so long and they seem like they could never be beat. And then coming into here and just seeing Lewis Hamilton, you know, in the mid range this entire time is like shocking for me. And so I have it because I came in kind of mid season. Like, can you guys... Uh, educate me on what's going on, I guess, with the Mercedes car or, or what, what has happened? What has changed this season?
1: Mike, would you please Mercedes? take this? I feel
0: like you're the perfect, <laughs> oh, you well-suited. It. So <laughs> I'm absolute diehard ride or die Mercedes fan.
2: Okay. Okay. Right? Please so educate Austin me. Austin
0: is trying to physically hurt me in having to tell this story. So obviously this year they brought in all new cars, right? So they had new regulations, new designs for the cars. It was effectively wiping the slate clean, make a new car. And for the first few races especially, Mercedes were really struggling on multiple fronts. It seemed like they didn't have enough power in the engine and also with the aerodynamics was making the car bounce up and down. It's a phrase you would have heard a lot called porpoising. It basically was like with the way that the aerodynamics were hitting the car, as the car would go fast down a straight, it would start to bounce the car and it would get worse and worse. And the drivers are just like bouncing down. And it's like could they had to ride the car higher so it wouldn't damage the underside of the car. That also makes the car slower. So they have been struggling for the entire season with various issues. And where other teams have been able to make tweaks and tunes to their car to get them more performance every week, Mercedes has still been trying to just fix their issues. Last week, Mercedes seemed to have done some... Relatively decent upgrades that kind of made the competitive again. That seems to have carried over this week. They were doing much better. But they're still far off from Red Bull and Ferrari and what they're able to actually achieve. So basically, they have spent the last five, six races just fighting for position. Now, what it seems like from my perspective is this is very odd ground for Lewis to be in. He has had an excellent car under him for years and years and years. And he is not feeling confident in the car. And I think it's shaking his confidence and he's not driving right. George mm-hmm. came from Williams. Which where was, was fighting Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he was fighting a bad car. And I think that has set him up to deal with it a little better. Plus, I think George has a little bit more confidence in the car because he has less to lose
2: exactly so yeah that's he's what I was gonna willing say. Like to lewis push it. everything to lose exactly <laughs> and you so. can hear it and that's why I, i'm kind of shocked when you hear lewis hamilton over the radio kind of just his attitude i'm like oh man this guy seems defeated this this doesn't seem mm. like the same guy that i follow no. on instagram who's always posting like the dopest fits before the race and like being super positive it's weird because like the moment he gets in the car it almost seems like he just seems defeated especially last weekend when he wanted to give up
3: yeah
0: (laughs) you
2: know and his own team had to be like "Ah, let's keep on and and he you know made up for so many positions it's it's interesting
0: yeah a way i look at that with lewis because he gets a lot of criticism for stuff like that Mm yeah he is a human being and he tries to stay positive but He gets upset, he gets angry like anybody else, and we just happen to hear it, you know? And the way... And then, like, what I like, I think, another thing that I enjoy about Lewis today is, like, before the race, when he gets on the radio, he's like, all right, everyone... Just calm down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like stuff like I like it. He was showing his experience in that moment. But yeah, last week I felt for him because it was it was rough. Like he was mm-hmm. having, he had a rough start. But again, it's like he can learn from that, right? Like okay, but you ended up, you know, you're still Lewis Hamilton, right? Like you can yeah. do this, like you. So I don't know where we're going to be with Mercedes. I, I still reckon, you know, looking at where they are right now, they're probably going to be a pretty strong third place, which is referred mm-hmm. to as best of the rest, which you would have heard of drive to survive. And then they can try and push into next year. But it is interesting that George is beating Lewis, right? Like, it's very interesting. Like, there is is definitely a gap between them. I don't know what
1: that's going to say for the future for for the two of them. And just to kind of expand on that a little bit, one of the other things that Mercedes have been fighting on their car is, yeah, like like Mike said, the porpoising. But what they were having at Monaco seemed like it was maybe a little bit of a different issue because so traditionally what porpoising is, it's like sort of the, the, the heavy G loads and really more so the actual uh, sort of downforce is being pulled. So essentially compared to the old cars where they would make most of the downforce on the top of the car pushing it down, these cars basically use the undersides, so known as what's a uh, ground effect. And basically to suck the car down from the bottom. And so once that sort of suction sort of gets dropped the car kind of like uh, detaches and sucks detaches to sucks and it kind of that's why it's bouncing so much but that's generally a thing that happens on higher speed circuits which is to be fair almost everywhere that's not monaco monaco is pretty slow and so what it seems like is monaco is a very old track it is you know a bunch of public like true public real street circuits and it's super bumpy and so in a lot of ways the fact that mercedes were dealing with a similar issue here makes it seem like while yes they have to kind of deal with that porpoising and the actual like aerodynamic side of things they also don't really seem like they have great control of the suspension and how soft to run Mm -hmm. it and everything like the the car is really nervous you can see it just kind of bouncing around and even in slower speed tracks like this it to me really makes it seem like Mercedes have a bigger issue than just, oh, they need to, you know, add a couple of arrow bits here or there. They have almost like a more fundamental suspension issue where they can't really kind of control those heavy tires and wheels. That's what kind of it seems to me. And the fact that George and uh, Lewis definitely had pace in the race, but it still feels like there's like some deeper gremlins with that Mercedes that are going to be very difficult to kind of work out. To be fair, though.
0: A track like Monaco always has cars that can't drive well around it every year yep. because it is so different. You know, like yeah, you know, every year like there will be it can throw up an odd result where like such and such car which are I feel not good like, around Monaco,
2: which I feel like is a good reason to keep it. I agree with you. Fight me, Austin. I agree with you. Okay, here's the thing. here's the thing
1: you just watched one of the most interesting Monaco Grand Prix in a very, very long time, and still the only part that was interesting yeah. was it rained at an incredibly right. unopportune time that like that last bit of the race when that thing happens that's every Monaco Grand Prix yeah to right.
0: the Be whole fair, time the, the, in Austin's defense, the part that you said you found sleepy that that's, would have been yeah. the entire two hours, yeah, yeah, by and large
2: I guess a part of me though is like if it. If it makes it more interesting, though, for at least, you know, maybe the driver's cup in terms of like random people getting more points. I don't know. I feel like it might be worth sacrificing a boring race. But because it's like, you know, everyone had Charles. I can't say his name. Seriously. Char- Charles. Charles. Charles.
0: Charles.
2: Charles. Charles. Uh, Charles.
0: I like, Chal, I like you putting I, 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 the, the, the British on it though. That was good. Yeah. That, that's the way to do
2: it. <laughs> Chal, Chal. Everyone had him and then it's like, Checo, woo, you know? Yep. So, but yeah, and that really came down to strategy, not even the rain. So,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. It yeah. Was, it would be
2: awesome one day to be able to be in Monaco and like yes. see a Monaco race. You know, yeah, look
0: you and I, everyone else.
1: <laughs> so yeah. I, right? so, I, so hard. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not upset. Like if Monaco sticks around, it sticks around. And if there's one weird, boring race a year, that's fine. Like it is different. I just am not thrilled with the way the racing is. Like it, this is a sport that's all about overtakes and racing, and it's really like oh, who can like. Honestly, Monaco qualifying is way more interesting than the race for me. Like, absolutely without a doubt. Because that's where the race is really decided. And unless you get something crazy like today, you generally don't see anything actually happen on track besides some shenanigans like Alonso being, you know, super wide or whatever, or Danny Rick a couple years ago when he lost like, what, 100 horsepower or whatever from his ERS. He was still able to win the race. Like, that stuff is cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But I don't know. I
2: feel like uh, Drive to Survive did a terrible job explaining qualifying. Because still up to the last season I was kinda like, Oh, so they just like go around for one lap and that's their qualifying? Mm. That seems kind of crazy. But yeah, I didn't understand show. yeah, I didn't understand until we actu- until I actually watched the races that they knock off five at a time, that there's like actually rounds of qualifying. So that's been interesting for me and I'm like, Oh, this is, yeah. this is as exciting sometimes as the race, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, qualifying I have found to be a thing that's really hard to explain two new fans like the fact that there's three rounds and then the five good like it's it's quite a complicated system Mm -hmm. have you have you haven't seen a sprint qualifying yet have you in the races that you've seen
2: no did they do it in miami
3: no i don't think
0: so no
2: okay i remember someone mentioning it but i don't think i've actually seen it
0: it's where they basically add a mini race in the middle so they still Mm -hmm. have qualifying as you know it that sets an order for a 20-lap race, usually. It's a and then that 20-lap race sets the order for the final race. It's fun. I like it. It adds, yeah. it adds more to the weekend. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting. Yeah.
1: But they only do that, I believe, at three. They did it for the first time last year. I think they're doing it for three or four races this year. It's three races this year. They three, wanted to do yeah.
0: six, but they ended up doing three. This is part of like the F1 company trying to put more in right more to watch more to mm. watch is what they want which make it more exciting they add points in there too sarah so you can you get extra points for the uh the drivers that's for cool those like, races too is that smaller did that amount, start
2: just this year
0: it, they started doing it last year okay. again and then so they maybe, refined it this year.
2: yeah they referenced it on yep. drive to survive possibly, possibly.
1: i don't know Yeah, so I actually like, I think out of all the things that Formula One does right and wrong, I think actually the existing qualifying format is really interesting, right? Like having the five people drop off, there's less traffic. Like I actually think there's a reason why this format has basically been intact since uh, the mid-2000s, generally speaking. Because in the past, there have been a lot of different formats. You know, there used to be kind of like, as you said, everyone gets like an hour or whatever, just run around and whoever gets the fastest times. For a little while there, it was basically got one shot, so everyone out. You get a turn, you do your lap. Whatever that lap is, is what it is. But this existing format, I think, has been pretty good unless you're Checo and you wipe out and you ruin everyone Mm. else's race and then you win. Not that that would ever be unfair or anything, like some people were saying. Um, And then there's also reverse, right? Reverse order, is that right? Like Reverse uh, grade is never going to happen. Yeah, so basically the idea, especially this is more so when Mercedes just won everything and it was really boring to watch Formula 1 for a while and then Red Bull before that. It's awesome
0: awesome to launch
1: the the great the great the good old days as mike will refer to them as (laughs) Um, i might be calling them for the next few years i'm very aware uh but yeah uh there was an idea that to make things more interesting you would just literally flip the grid in some way but everyone quickly realized that would be very difficult to pull off and super unfair and pretty much every way because people would find ways of gaming it can i just say before we move totally Hmm. on from from this whole thing the one highlight of the race and we're going to talk about it again later because i've already got in the dock the one highlight of the race that was absolutely my favorite of everything we saw was Pierre slicing through the field. You never mm-hmm. see people pass in Monaco. Especially Pierre was passing everywhere because he was legitimately like five seconds a lap faster. All right. All can't right. ahead great. of yourself. It's time to box. you going to time me? All right. All right. Okay. So, Mike, I'm going to yeah. recommend not to double stack. I'm going to yeah. recommend to go on mediums. And mm-hmm. I'm going to also recommend that as soon as I pull up my timer. Mm-hmm. Ready and begin. This
0: episode of the Back Marcus is brought to you by the Racing Line. Look, motorsport calendars, they're messy. Finding out what series is racing, what weekend, when the races begin, it's more challenging than it should be. The racing line collects the calendars of over 40 major motorsport series and combines it into one easy-to-use application, covering series from F1 to IndyCar to World Endurance Championship to IMSA. I don't even know what that one is. even, Even including MotoGP and similar for bike fans. The app provides day and weekly views so you can get an easy overview of what's happening today and plan your motorsport viewing weeks ahead. Plus, you can get customized notifications. You just set them what you want before each event. So like maybe you want to be alerted a minute before or an hour or a day or five days whenever you want. And the series list is customizable so you can select the series you want to see and hide the ones you don't. This app is awesome. So when I found out about this this week, I downloaded it immediately and I've been playing around with it. Like I now have notifications for uh, free practice and qualifying and the races all set up on my phone so I can find out exactly what I need. And I get rid of all of the series that I don't want to see. So I've just got my F1 stuff in there right now and I love it. I can see when all the races are, what time they're going to be in my time zone. It's awesome. If you watch any type of racing, you should get the racing line. The racing line is on iPhone, iPad, uh, watch os and on android too go to the racing line dot app that's the racing line dot app our thanks to the racing line for their support of this
1: show and relay fm and time one minute and 32 seconds good job right. mike that was a that was okay. a dhl pit stop with a race i mean uh uh <clears throat> uh pit stop of the the podcast it was very impressive
0: what was it 0132 so, you still well, got it i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. making a record of this one thirty five Sixty-five. All right, yeah. we're gonna see if next. Um, I think when if they hopefully the race in line. If every if all te- uh, backmarkers listeners go download it, and the race in line will come back, and I can do it another time.
1: Yeah. Also, uh, just side note, I have also been using the app. It actually is really really cool. Like it's really I really right. turned on notifications for everything. It's like, oh wait. There's a lot of races, but I've now since customized it. It's much better Mm -hmm. than the old way. I think we both used to keep up with trying to like go, what's the time zone again? Mm -hmm. Uh, Also using the impossible to understand F1 website. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, four o'clock is start time in the morning. Ah, so I'm literally
2: on the website right now, looking at how expensive the Austin tickets are (laughs) since I live in Texas Mm. and all of the general admission is sold out. Gone. Uh, and that means there's only club tickets left, and I'm like forty mm-hmm. four hundred dollars. I'm like that seems like a lot of money. Should yeah. I do it? Seems like Guys, it is a I lot do of money.
3: It?
1: I can I confirm, confirm. Lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh yeah yeah. There's actually a zero on that ticket. I think unfortunately. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I, I will say Sarah, I have done the Austin Grand Prix once before. Okay. It's cool. It's a fun track. It is uh. Top two worst sporting events I've ever been to as far as traffic. It is hours wow. and hours in and out of the track because it's not too far from Austin, but there's like, I don't know, a couple of farm roads and there's like 400,000 people. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Ugh. I think that's how many people went last time. So, so it's so, like stressful. Like, you're, yeah. Like, the roads are, like, there's probably traffic until like 2 a.m. or whatever. Like, I, I once wow. sat in line to get back to just on a bus to go to the parking lot. I stood in line for two and a half hours, and that only that bus only took me like two miles down the road or whatever. Then I had to go find my car, and like so, spending
2: almost five thousand dollars on a ticket for that. I bet that's (laughs) like.
1: If you spend $5,000, they'll probably throw a helicopter in and you'll be fine. I don't know. (laughs) I hope so. Um, That being said, though, it is a really cool venue. It's great to be able to walk around. And if you've never been to a race in person, so it's not like, obviously, you know, whatever the start time is for the race, you know, 2 o'clock or whatever. But there's stuff going on all morning. There's, like, junior categories. There's, like, you know, old school Formula 1 cars out on the track and whatnot. Like, you can basically show up as early as you want as soon as the gates open. And there's stuff to do all day long. It's just trying to, like, get Mm -hmm. in, especially get out, is an absolute nightmare. But... Yeah uh also i'm sure you vegas i mean that's good be to the cool, man vegas
0: next year is probably the call because it's happening on the street so like there's you just go to, back to your hotel afterwards right like for ease Easy. well it's probably not going to be an easier uh, track than
1: that b- one but b- but say uh have you checked those hotel prices recently uh oh really they're bumping
0: them up that weekend <laughs> Okay, there someone's are been checking.
1: A solid, so like during CES, which is probably the closest analogy, a lot of times some of the nicer hotels will hit the seven, eight, nine hundred, maybe thousand dollar range. Uh, there's probably about twice as many people going to the race as something like CES. And so, uh, okay. yeah, also a lot of those yeah, hotels right. have views of the tracks that are also like you don't need to buy a ticket, you can just watch from your room. So, Formula great. The fact that it's so much more uh, open and people are watching it is awesome. But when it comes to especially some tracks that don't have great sort of infrastructure, you gotta be patient. And I'm not super patient. So So what you're saying
2: is just wait until a brand will pay for
1: me to go. Or we all chip in. Just, just, Just hear me out. We all chip in on a helicopter together. Which is one ride in and out. How, how, how bad could it be? Casey does it all yes. the time. Yes. Just how we bad could it be?
2: Yeah. We can uh, reach out to Chris from Becky and Chris and get his helicopter because he just has a helicopter. So maybe we can ask him.
1: See, we figured it out live on the show. that We'll yep. all be at the Austin race, helicoptering in and out.
2: Thank Sounds you, Chris. great. I'm signing you up without your consent. Man. Sarah's DC bought us tubers. all tickets
1: at $4,000 each. So we're all, <laughs> we're, we're gold. We're gold. <laughs> Ah, so Sarah, when we get into this part of
0: the show, we kind of, we have a few categories to pick some favorites and least favorites of the race. So first up is our favorite back marker of the race. Now... We have played fast and loose with this because <laughs> sometimes there aren't any backmarkers, right? Like the backmarkers are the people who get lapped by the people in the front, right? I think basically everyone at some point in today's race, except the top six were backmarkers at one point. It, it was kind of complicated to tell. So really what we tend to do is just pick someone from like outside the points. You know, that's mostly how we've been doing it. I wanted to I start off this time. So we'll give you a few minutes to, to think of yours. Uh, Joe Yu, I think yeah Zhou had a great race. Joe Yu my the reason I'm picking him though, not only did I love watching him like fight for point like fights for position where he can, but he, there are a couple of times in this race where he saved himself from almost catastrophe and like th- to be able to do that around and his first time in an F1 car around Monaco, pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Right, like uh, I was I was very impressed with his race today. That could not have been easy. I always go back thinking about Nikita Mazepin from last mm-hmm. year. Do you remember when they were on the radio to him and he was just freaking out? Like, yeah. he just was very upset <laughs> about being around mean, Monica. Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone. This is Monica. He was very upset. And so, uh, you know, Jorgen Yu was in a similar boat today, right? It's his first time around. I bet it is a very intimidating track to drive around. Uh, and I think for him to, he pulled in, you know, d- decent, you know. He finished at the back of the pack today, but I think he had, by all intents and purposes, a good race. And so I, I wanted to just shout him out.
1: I'll give him a shout out as well. I I don't know if he would be, well, I'll tell you, he's not my back marker of the race, but I think he did a really good job. Uh, I already alluded to this earlier. Uh, my back marker, and again, we're playing fast and loose with that, uh, was Pierre. Mm-hmm. We make so, the rules. There are rules. We make them. It's fine. We, we make them, and then we immediately break them. So mm-hmm. Pierre, uh, just for some context around his weekend, started, I believe, p 17 mostly due to the fact that he actually didn't get to finish his last lap. So everyone else pretty much was able to go out. And he was like, I don't know, a quarter of a second away from hitting the line to be able to do it. So massively disadvantaged when it came to qualifying, especially sort of sad for him because he had really good pace. Like he was P5, P6 through like a lot of the practice sessions and whatnot. So clearly he had a great race in him. But when you start P17 in Monaco, all of... The rain God can provide still will not save you from starting P17. That being said, though, was super bold on that initial call to go to the intermediate tires. Uh, some of those replays, just watching him just sliding around. The fact that he's saved that so many times is impressive. And the fact that we saw a couple of actual overtakes. Again, you don't see that. At Monaco, right? Like you see, you know, people, you know, will undercut, you know, they'll go up, take a pit stop early or late or you see some crash or some chaos happen. Like that's what you generally see for overtakes. But we're seeing legitimate actual overtakes. Mind you, he had taken that bold decision. He was on the right tire. But it was great to see. And he was yep. being smart, but very aggressive. You know, he was taking his passes a few times where he like kind of thought about it and backed out. But a couple times like, you know what? Yep, I'm just here. Hello. Yep. And goodbye. It was great to see i would give not only pierre my back marker of the race i'll give pierre my racer of the race that was super super fun to watch let's just create a new category for us racer there. of the race uh, racer of the race one.
0: Is, I, yeah i'm gonna workshop that name a little bit not <laughs> great uh real shame for pierre that he did not actually get any points today because yeah. he was put he put in i agree some serious work he put in some serious work today yeah sarah who impressed you today from the lower field
2: I don't know if impressed is the right word, but maybe I'll I'll highlight someone who I've just had a fun time actually. I've been entertained by him. this is going to seem super random, but Lance Stroll, his his just screaming has been <laughs> oh so my God, funny so to good. me.
0: What was going on so, with him in qualifying? So, <laughs> yeah, not just
2: on the qualifying, but even today he just had some like, ah, you know? And it's like so hectic. And what's been so funny is I feel like Drive to Survive made you – kind of make him out as a bad guy. Like, he's only there because dad's, you know, checkbook and all this stuff. So I did not like him from the get. Mm. But he's kind of been growing on me as, you know, as time goes on. But uh, it's just been really funny to just hear how he interacts, yeah, over the radio. And he kind of just, you know, lets loose. And I found that really entertaining. So... There you I'm, go.
1: I'm, I'm with you on that. Massively entertaining. I'm just, just. Yeah. I mean, you gotta imagine, like, you just put yourself in, you know, any of these guys' shoes, right? You're in the car. You're getting absolutely soaked. You can't see. Even in the best scenarios, it's hard to see around Monaco because you're sitting so low in that yeah. car. Your wheels and tires. Well, I anyone
2: like, going, yeah, 150 miles per hour, just, I think that would be frustrating as is. Exactly. <laughs> and you have people talking to you. And, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And it's that just like, that it's was
0: funny to me when. Slippery. Last last couple of laps or whatever, when Lando was just like, "No comms."
1: He's just like, "I'm (laughs) done
0: listening to you now." (laughs) Like like this is everything you're telling me is pointless, right? Like we've got like four minutes of the race left. I'm just gonna keep pushing. Like nothing's gonna change. Just leave me alone. (laughs) I always I do really love it when when they're like, "No comms." Actually, similar thing. I I just remembered I wanted to bring up earlier uh, was Carlos. Carlos made that second place for himself. He did. Right? Mm-hmm. When Ferrari again, not great strategies. Were trying to get him to pit. They wanted to put him on the inters, and he didn't want it. He wanted to wait for the slick tires. He wanted the regular tires. So, Sarah, are you familiar with some of the tire stuff? They talk about wets and inters and slicks, and that. have you caught up? With All that I know so is
2: like soft, medium, and hard. So when they yeah. were talking about inters and stuff, I was kind of like, what? What's that?
0: So soft, medium, and hard, they're the regular tires and then they're right. slick tires because they're basically, they have no treads on them. They are right. just pure rubber. And then for when the weather is poor, they have two tires. They have wet tires and intermediate tires. Wet tires, they just look like a regular road tire for the tread, just covered in tread. Intermediate, less than. So it's basically, depending on how wet it is, if it's actively raining really bad, you want wet tires. If the track is wet from rain, or there's a little bit of rain, you want intermediate tires, and then you go to the slicks. And the the tires with treads on them, you go slower on them. And they have a lot of different problems, and they are quite unpredictable. But you need them, right? Because otherwise, on the slicks, you'll see this at some point. Like, it will rain, someone's on slicks, and it's just like they're on ice. They just can't. It's just they're all over the place. So the, uh, the slicks kind of... Throws me off as a word sometimes because it makes it sound like this is the worst possible tire, yeah. but that's actually the tires they typically want, Get and the they slacks. come in the three compounds. The <laughs> yeah, and so they have the the soft, medium, and hard. They have the regular slick tires, and then they have the others. But yeah, so I just thought it was you know, science. put himself in that position today. Uh, he told, and he, oh, I actually appreciate it from Ferrari. He told them what he wanted, and they listened to him. Doesn't yeah. always happen. So,
1: well, at the moment, it seemed like, oh, you want to dig your own grave, buddy? Have fun. Like, you'll, you'll, yeah. we'll make sure you. We're all on Charlotte today. <laughs> exactly. You do what you want. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Ferrari's uh, complete lack of any good strategy at all. Yeah, because I forgot. Yeah, you're right. He absolutely sort of Carlos was the only one making good decisions there. Charles got absolutely completely screwed by his pit Twice. stop. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess maybe not good day to uh be a ferrari fan (laughs) understatement potentially
0: oh it's a terrible day to be a ferrari fan today this seemed like a foregone conclusion for them right yeah um it's pretty rough mike
1: who Uh, is your underperformer of the race
0: i'm going i'm going full heel fernando alonso
1: yeah you are Mm -hmm. yeah
0: you are (laughs) it just annoyed me it just annoyed me it's just like it's not really the racing i want to see yeah like it does not bother me to because uh, okay when I saw Lewis come into Fernando I'm like here we go, this is mm. going to be awesome. Like two of them f- fighting together is usually such a sight to see. Like they are you know multi world champions between them, so much experience, and when they fight it's like two dogs attacking. It's like madness as they go at each other, and basically all he did was slow him down, and that's just like ah. And obviously he still has to stop Lewis from getting past him right so there's still a bit of that like keeping himself wide as it were but i just didn't enjoy the like oh we're gonna just slow him down like i I honestly i couldn't really understand why that was alpine's decision like why do they particularly want to slow down lewis like i couldn't especially when that ended up destroying Ocon's race
1: yeah like he could have
0: ended up in the points today and it seemed like Nobody at Alpine worked this out for like a really long time. And then Esther Mann's like, hang on a minute, <laughs> what about me? And then he ends up getting kicked out. And they could have, I mean, Alcon still could have come in 10th after that penalty today if yep. there wasn't like a 45 second gap established between George and Lando. It, it just seemed frustrating to me, honestly. I, I, I just wasn't, it, I just didn't enjoy that part of the race.
1: You weren't a big fan of the uh, FAQ, Fernando Alonso's Q. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Family yeah. Movie Night, for reminding me of that one. Yeah, yeah, that uh, was good. Uh, that was great. That was great. Uh, I will agree, uh, although I will blame entirely the street circuit of the Principality of Monaco for that one, because you know uh, he's just doing is his the thing. track your underperformer of the race. The track is my underperformer. <laughs> <laughs> Scratch that. I'm just going to throw everything out. Monaco Grand Prix is the underperformer of the race because the track was designed for cars that had one-tenth the power that were a quarter the size in 1922 or whatever, and everything's gotten too big. Like, the thing is – okay, I'm going to rant. I'm going to rant for a second. Cut me off as soon as I go too far, okay? Okay. If you've ever seen a modern Formula One car in person, they're massive. They're like two meters wide. They're like as long as like a Chevy Suburban, right? They're massive, massive cars. And yeah, they're really lightweight. And yeah, sure, most of that car is nothing. But like the actual physical size of the car is huge. Now, as someone who does not live yet in Monaco, I've never walked around those streets. But I got to imagine just looking at it on TV. It looks so tiny. Like when you see these mm. huge cars going through the chicane and the the hairpin, it's just like – so you know what I was gonna say. I liked say- it though. I thought that was fun because I was convinced none of them were gonna fit around the track this week. It was <laughs> it was exciting. <laughs> you're for just me. gonna turn too much, you're just gonna like wipe the car and go, oh well, end of the race, sorry. Uh there was that
0: that I don't know I don't I don't know
1: the names of the corners. The one where they're going into the
0: tunnel. Yeah. And it felt like every single time they were just kicking the back out so they could fit. I just thought that looked great. Yeah, like, I was, like, convinced one of them was going to put it in the wall at
1: some point, which is where Sergio put the car in the wall to <laughs> yeah, qualify, yeah. you know? Uh, I don't know. Sarah, do you have an underperformer of the race? Because I have one answer, and I can't get away from it anymore.
2: My guy. I'm waiting for Daniel to step it up, okay, guys? Oh, Sarah. I'm sorry. I know it's like no. Uh,
0: it's I feel bad for you because yeah. <laughs> the I want Daniel to find his place is like a meme at this point. I know because Daniel Ricardo cannot do it, it's, and uh, he's it's such a shame. you know
2: he's so like the nice guy. So you want to root for him. He's the goofy, yeah. lovable guy. But it's yeah. I'm honestly surprised that it took this long for the McLaren like you know management people to start being like you know, touching on, yeah, he kind of needs to step it up, you know? Because um, it seems like they, I I don't understand the, oh, he's just still getting used to the car when it's been like, it's been a minute, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I want, I want him to win, but everyone's being, yeah, I know. And everyone's being so uh, now, you know, oh, he just needs to retire. But then you look at the other drivers on the grid and it's like, I don't think he needs to disappear. He's still a great driver. Put him in a new car, you know?
0: there's yeah. we've we've been talking about this right um so the the problem is how good lando is that's the problem yeah 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 and uh, the, mclaren's issue right now reminds me of red bull's problem before they put yep. sergio in mm-hmm. so you know they had uh, you again you would have seen this they had daniel ricardo they had pierre gasly they had alex Albon pairing mm-hmm. up with max and all of them crumbled because yeah. they, were just, they just couldn't touch Max. And then the pressure of the Red Bull team particularly seems to be really hard on younger drivers. But Sergio has the experience, confident enough in himself, and now has got the pairing to push Red Bull to that next level. If, the, if, McLaren, if McLaren had a, a Sergio, they would be fighting against where Mercedes is right now. So McLaren have 59 Which points in the Constructors. Which you would have thought would be
2: Daniel, yeah. you know?
0: But it, it, for whatever reason, it can't be at the yeah. moment. I don't know what it is. And the problem with, you know, I agree with you, right? He is better than a bunch of the people below him, you know? People that, that we're always running on every week. But there's also a bunch of young, great drivers. Yeah, The next Lando is out there, you know? Yeah. And, and You almost so,
2: need like a Lando Max pairing. Like
0: Yeah. Oh, that would be an incredible... Yeah. Oh my God, the two of them together? Yeah. My, woo. That yeah. has so been be rumored. Insane. And then McLaren signed him up for like
1: five years, I think because of that rumor. They're yeah. like,
0: please don't take him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I feel for you. I feel for Danny Rick. And it's just, it's exactly like Mike said, right? I think that there's everyone in the entire universe is rooting for Danny Rick, right? But the writing is starting to look like it's starting to hit the wall. I don't think it's a done deal yet. But I, it's one of those things where once the downward spiral begins and people start really talking and your contract's really uneasy, yeah. the last thing it's going to do is help him with his confidence, which means that he's not going to be able to perform. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. He's in a very precarious position right now. And as uh, Charles, uh, maybe not the real Charles, in the chat has kind of pointed out, that uh, there's a lot of rumors about who else could take that seat, including Pierre, right? Because Pierre hmm. has been very vocal that he is ready to move on. Because again, yeah. he had a little bit of time oh, at the sister team. He got up to Red Bull, only had maybe a half season, I think, and then he got yeah. demoted. And they were like, he's, nah. He's been that waiting. Was sad. That very was so patiently. sad. The drive to
0: survive. Yeah. That was like heartbreaking that whole thing. Because I, I remember feeling bad about it at the time. Yeah.
2: And he's gotten like built out. It seems like yeah. he's ready to destroy. Yes. Yeah. Know. is a
0: fantastic driver. Like yeah. his whole time at Alpha Tower, like they have really, really he's really been showing what he's made of yep. and is is pushing that car way, way harder than it can than it should mm-hmm. be able to go. Um but I hadn't thought about them two together at McLaren. That would be a <laughs> very
1: top tier pairing. Yes. My word, that would be cool. That'd be crazy. I would love that. I would love to see that. Uh all right, we're getting toward the end here uh, yeah. i think we should save and we talked last time about doing a tier list i think we'll maybe save we should that sa- yeah we were like oh maybe we'll do like something like that uh for a we thought this race. was <laughs> gonna be boring today so <laughs> we'll, we'll hold it so what was your personal favorite thing of the race actually sarah why don't we start with you out of the whole race what was your favorite thing that you saw today
2: I would say at the very end, when it seemed like there was going to be a fight for first, when when the you know when both the Red Bull and Ferrari cars started bunching up, and you were like, oh my gosh, is someone actually gonna, you know, overtake here? Uh, I, I feel like that added some some funness, you know, because it, it was a solid like twenty five minutes of like yawn, uh, so that was cool to see at the end. But then you know, Checo finishing first was was really great from the last race I I felt like at the end I was like good for Checo you know I think everyone was like you deserve that my man Um, and also I'm looking at the comments too uh, Gustavo had a great point that I should just go to the Mexican Grand Prix I'm in Texas I can just fly down there so maybe I need to turn into a Checo fan go to the Mexican Grand Prix sign me up
0: actually it doesn't seem like it's hard to turn into
1: a Checo fan Yeah, I love that guy guy. (laughs) yeah (laughs) apparently the mexican grand prix is a really really fun event which i mean it looks like it from tv i've never gone but it looks especially you've got like the stadium seating when everyone kind of goes through Mm -hmm. and stuff looks super cool
2: have a solid yeah three four margaritas and just hang out when in mexico when in mexico
1: i'm just saying uh mike i gotta say uh you're you're gonna you're gonna roast me for this after all this, the the stuff I've talked about Monaco, uh, I'm, my favorite thing was just the fact that we actually had a remotely decent race. Entirely because if any of the things that happened today would happen to any other track, I think it would have been a legendary race instead of Monaco just being kind of like mm. an interesting one. But it took the most ridiculous things to happen for this race to be exciting. So I'm actually going to give my personal favorite thing of the race to the Monaco GP.
0: There you go. So I know what you're saying though, because like... <laughs> All these wild things that happened today reminds me of Monza from 2020 when Mm. Pierre won. Yeah. Or when, I don't remember which race it was, when, when Esteban Ocon won. Like, That's the kind of thing that probably would have happened today, given all that rain. That, like, on a regular start, something bananas would have happened. Max would have put the car right into the back of Carlos. Like, that's probably the kind of thing we would have seen going into a regular turn one with the conditions being so poor. So I will agree with you that, like, different race, this probably would have been God tier. But with what we had today, it made it a... Very interesting race, as any race could have been like on a r- under regular conditions. So I'm I, I not won't, I won't going to roast you for that. Okay, I will say that you. I completely agree with Sarah. My favorite thing in this race was like those last five minutes because it was like anything can happen here. And what ended up happening, I was very happy with, except I wanted to see Charles. I, w- I was thinking about it. I want to see what you two think. Charles came in fourth. For him, mm-hmm. is fourth better than being third and being on the podium when he expected mm-hmm. to have won? What's worse?
2: Because he wouldn't have to show face, basically.
0: Exactly, he can just hide.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I think all of it's bad. See yeah, how bad. happy he was <laughs> yeah, yesterday after qualifying. He, he was just so excited. Everyone was so excited for him. It's almost like the same energy that you have for Daniel Ricciardo. Because like, I think everyone wants wants these things for them. They they want success for these drivers. And then for some reason, it just seems like they're cursed.
1: Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's his home race. I mean, you see how not only does he have the fan support, he's just unbelievably fast at Monaco, right? I mean, it's one thing for him to get pole this year and absolutely destroy everyone. But remember, last year he got pole in a Ferrari that was terrible, right? Like, Monaco is a track, if I can give any props whatsoever, it is a track that... Completely rewards confidence and a quick pointy car, something that you need not only the car but you need dri- the driver is so so important here. And so yeah, I, it it was great to see that sort of like all four cars in like a couple seconds at the end. Uh, I may or may not have started making the thumbnail for this uh, episode immediately. I was like, well, the, clearly nothing's going to happen here. I didn't have maybe the <laughs> the hope, but uh, it was it was. At least it gave a little bit of a spark toward the end of the race, and it was really cool to see just like all four cars just like that close, like going through like the hairpin and everything, the tunnel. Um, but yeah,
2: a random Sarah. note.
0: Oh, go, on. go ahead.
2: That was a surprise, you know, jumping into the season is how much I love the green that Aston Martin shows so i just so you know i wish they were better but like the, it looks so good like everyone in the uniforms and the car mm-hmm. aesthetically i'm like that green is the coolest thing i've seen on the track yet i feel
0: like it is called british racing green that's the green mm. it's like a traditional like color that a few different teams have used okay in britain over year over the years so yeah it's beautiful and because uh, they went on the metallic and that bit of lime that goes through it oh when uh, this is during the the one of my favorite things is the, when they show off the liveries, like the, the designs of the cars. Mm-hmm. And this year was extra exciting because they all look different too. And yeah. basically every day for like a two-week period, you'll get a different team show off their, their liveries. And that mm-hmm. was just I, me and I were having a great time sending pictures backwards and forwards. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. this one's trash. This look, one's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, But yeah, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. This has
2: been great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's it's fun. It's fun to talk about something when you feel like you're most passionate about it. You know, in the in yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. So it's it's been a lot of fun.
0: We're not jaded yet. Uh, where exactly. can people find you online?
2: Yeah, you can just Google me, Sarah Peachy. Uh, my main thing is YouTube, uh, and then Twitter is my number two. So. Racing and all of my random interests lives on my Twitter feed, at Sarah
0: <laughs> My main thing is YouTube and then Twitter. <laughs> it's just like, I <laughs> ah, make it work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So, I think we're not going to be around for the Baku race. Uh, I'm traveling, and uh, Austin... 4 a.m. Neither of (laughs) us want to wake up at 4 a.m. All right, guys, so I'll take over
2: the podcast. Okay, you don't even need to ask. Yep,
0: I'll take it over. (laughs) I got it for you, I got it. I got it, guys. Uh, So, we'll be back next for Montreal, which is uh, on the 19th of July, I think, of Um, June. I have no doubt we'll touch on the goings-on in Baku at. In on that episode for the Montreal episode yes. uh, but until then you can find us online uh, we're at Backmarkers Live I'm at iMike Austin is at Austin at Duncan uh, again thank you so much to Sarah for joining us in this episode uh, we're back next time until then say so goodbye everybody later bye